0: Whether you're a plotter, you're going to start with beats and then build out an outline. Or you're going to be a pantser who starts writing and then applies beats to what you're working on. Or at some point incorporates beats and figures out what the beats are. I think there's just no escaping beats. I think if you're a writer, it's the best way to try to organize and create a, a functioning interesting compelling story and it's also very easy to apply
1: hey writing pursuits authors thank you for joining me today this is the last episode of this season for 2023 i hope you'll join me in 2024 for the next season i'm having surgery so i know that i'll need a time to recover and that's why i'm gone in the meantime watch or listen to uh, past episodes to get caught up And until next time, keep writing, my friends. Keep writing. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors. Welcome back to the podcast. To those of you who are new, I want to extend a special welcome. My name is Catrice McKee, and I'm glad you're here. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors. Welcome back to the show. Uh, To those of you who are new. My name is Caprice McKee, and I'm glad you're here. Um, today, we welcome Kimbu York. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Okay. Um, really? Yeah, so let me introduce you. Um, Kimbu York is a Gen X elder goth whose main life purpose is to provide a good life for her rescue mutt. Keeley Boo, who is perfect at beyond reproach in every way. She is also a professional author, former project manager, and a librarian is that correct yeah Yeah. who wears too many hats which I totally understand um she's a bit grumpy I do not see that but okay and writers and write uh writes across multiple genres including romance fantasy and nonfiction. and you can find her at houseofyork.info which I love that website name
0: thank you yeah, I was, I was excited when I got it. I was like, yes, that's the one yeah. I want.
1: <laughs> well, that's, I couldn't believe that writingpursuits.com was available. I was like, what? That is wild.
0: No, in this day and age, that something that good would still be available? I was awesome.
1: dumbfounded. And it wasn't that long ago. So, you know, wow. Well <laughs> so, like I said, I've been reading your latest book, I guess. Uh, the um, Become an Unstoppable Storyteller. How to craft compelling serials, which is fascinating. <laughs> I so, think so. Yeah, um, I had an interview with uh, Christine Daigle, who has, I think, two or more uh, Vella series. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was um, telling me about how it had changed her outlook on writing quite a lot. And that uh, because of the episodic approach to writing, and you're, you know, you don't know maybe what's completely over the horizon. You have maybe an idea of an endpoint mm-hmm. or a stopping point. I guess maybe not an endpoint, but a stopping point. And uh, so that was fascinating business. Um, and so this is really opening my eyes because I started out as a pantser and have leaned towards more, you know, the plotter kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is fascinating stuff. So um, how did you start writing?
0: Well, I'm one of those very typical, you know, I was a kid who wanted to write and grow up to be a writer story. So that's not really that we all think that's fascinating when we tell it about ourselves. But it's it's pretty bog standard for most of the writers I know. That's true. I didn't get into professional original fiction publishing until I got, actually, it's a circuitous route, I got into fan fiction again in 2007, 2008. And it got me back to writing. I'd kind of given up on ever having a writing career, the 90s were not kind no they
1: weren't
0: <laughs> no and uh and so but when i got into back to fan fiction it got me back to daily writing habit a regular writing habit and then from there it got into writing original stories and then i got picked up by a publisher a small indie publisher for my romance novels about 2010 2011 again i did not really vibe with the uh that that's such a <laughs> such a wiggly term for not vibing with the public uh, publishing industry in the early self-publishing years. Yes, Um, The the rapid release, the, the, the focus on advertising um, it, it was effective and it still is effective. You know, as I say in the book, you know, that is not a bad method. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. If that suits your mentality and your approach to writing, Mm -hmm. uh, that was not me. (laughs) And (laughs) So I kind of again fell out of writing. I, I still did write. I published my big, which should have been a serial, my big novel, Wolves of Harmony Heights in 2017. And that really started me on the journey of serial writing. Like you discussed that you talked with her about, I forget her name already, but, uh, the, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm about writing novellas. And that too is my gateway drug. Like I, I went from like, wow, I really like writing this long involved world building story. Why don't I just do this as novellas? And I was getting into that and then pandemic, yeah. <laughs> everything, everything changed. And uh, I know, right. And, and so it took me a few years to get back to it. And at that point, serializing as a method of sharing fiction stories was gaining traction. And at the start of this year, I joined Subscription for Authors Facebook uh, group and then I joined Ream, which is a new subscription platform that's out mm-hmm. there. One of many. I don't want to make it like that's the only one that's there, but that's the one I'm on, and on Substack where I do a lot of my nonfiction work and where the start of uh, Become an Unstoppable Storyteller hit up. So it's kind of like one of those circuitous. Like I always knew I wanted to be a writer, but man, path has been
1: ah, uh, yeah. Well, I got I, I have a similar story. Third grade, I wrote my first like mystery, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe the message was hidden in the wall. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, third great. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and then, um, you know, I got busy with life, like you said, and had kids and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I decided to get really serious about it and and just write for myself kind of and write something i thought my kids would enjoy and mm-hmm. i wrote it longhand of all things and uh because i was at That's sporting dedication. events and at the doctor and i was you know this and that and the other so i always had the little spiral with me and uh about the time i got around to the fourth book i'm going you know stack of spirals i should go back to the beginning and actually write this <laughs> but but awesome. i like you have written uh I, I wrote the big long one and then I wrote another one and it's all in the same series and uh wrote two novellas, which I love those. Man, they it was like boom, they were just there. They were so I, I don't know, it was just so easy to write those. Mm-hmm. I don't think you say mm-hmm. easy, but it was it was much easier than the writing the big ones, uh, because you're always having to try to land that big plane. And uh so <laughs> I think I think maybe I'm finding the path that I need to be on, and so I'm thrilled to be talking to you about it. Awesome! Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I I found the same thing, and I think you know the uh, the the novellas. So I do have a series. It's not quite relaunched yet. It's called Dragon's Grail. Oh. Um, the first novella is Escape from Ice Mountain. Very, very. Hot epic high fantasy type of novel with romance. Mm-hmm. I don't write romantic fantasy but I write fantasy with romance. And me too. Uh and the first and the books are, and the novellas I designed them to be 30,000 word long and man I just love that length. Mm-hmm. I love that length for a story. And if you go back and you look at my fan fiction, most of my most popular fan fiction stories bam, right in that 30,000 mark. It's a safe yeah, yeah, it's a sweet spot. But on the flip side, I know I love world building and I know I love long, complex, drawn out stories. And so, this bridge of actually seeing it as a serial mm-hmm. rather than just a novella or a novel or something like that has been a game changer for me and is really changed the way I'm approaching my writing and my goals for my stories as well.
1: So for the listener, in a nutshell, can you like define serial fiction and what, what makes it different from a novel or even from a novella and are book series actually serial fiction?
0: So that's
1: the,
0: yes, all the questions. Um, So the way I am defining it is that a novel and even a novella or even a short story are what I called like clamshell stories. There's a very tight, beginning, middle and end. And there's, um, you know, different genre expectations. But when you come down to it, they're a three-act story structure or they're the hero's journey, the 13, 12, 13, never can remember, st- a lot of steps um, or or whichever one you're using, save the cat, there's this structure and it just sits there and you go through the beats and then clamshell, that's the end of the story. A serial is a story that has an ongoing repetition of beats. So in the way that I've broken it down in my book is there is the long, big story arc. And the example I use is one people are very familiar with is, you know, Frodo taking the ring to Mount Doom, right? That was, the, that was the story arc of Lord of the Rings. However, there's a million words in that story, and there's a lot of different things going on. And if you piece it apart, uh-huh. you'll see that there are smaller structures within it. And yeah. that is how I define the serial. It is a large base framework story structure with smaller story structures inside of it and repeating kind of like the television series, you know, mm-hmm. every season you have a season and then you have another season and then you have another season. They're all part of the same big story, but they all have their own beats and their own mini arcs, so to speak. So in a serial like that, it can go on for a very long time, depending on what you set the big story arc to be and how you feel about it. Like, how mm-hmm. how far do you want to go down the rabbit hole? As a pantser, I really love that. I know that there are plotters who really want to have the structure of mapping <coughs> everything out. It works either way. And right. I just love how that I can just keep going with a story that I want to just
1: keep writing. Well, I liked your spreadsheet because yeah. here it had, you know, the shorter little thing going on you like you said the repeating beats and then over here to the side you had the long story arc and i'm going that's what i'm doing because i've got this big long series in my head and i know where i want it to stop because eventually maybe i might want to stop it i don't know maybe not but um i want to stop it at a certain place and call it done at least Mm -hmm. but it's a big over art you know, arching story, but um each each book has its own little thing going on,
0: right. And to your question of whether a book series can be a serial, the the question is yes. Um, I think, you know, I, I think my tendency is to think that true serials tend to have unless shorter pieces like shorter installments than you'd have with a book. But the heart of it is, do you have multiple story structures going on um, at at the same time? Concurrently is the word I'm looking for. There, (laughs) I am a writer. I can find words. But concurrently, and are they building up to something bigger? And a lot of book series do that um in a lot of different ways they don't have to if you don't want to they can just be a series of books set in a village or a town you know you got a mystery series so it doesn't have to be that but i think it does open up a lot of opportunities for storytelling if you look at it through the lens of it's a serial instead of a series of
1: novels right i i i think that's a really good point i think that's a really good point yeah, the 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 common village, the common um, setting, even the common like uh, well, that's usually what it is. Um, where you have repeating characters, you have mm-hmm. repeating whatever. Um, but they're standalone books. I don't. That's not quite as serial. What I think of as serial uh, s- story, so. because it doesn't have maybe an overarching story
0: that it would be exactly be the difference. Like they're yeah. using the same characters. They're using the same sets and the same murder mystery. You know, I, I think um, something like murder, she wrote, which is, mm-hmm. you know, very long running show. Oh yeah. Has that like, it's, you know, the mystery of the week. And there were occasions in the series. If, for those of us old enough to have watched it when it originally aired, um, that there were some arcs that ran through some of the series. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a big overarching arc that ran across all of it. So that is not a serial, not by how I would define well,
1: it. Well, and also she didn't change that much. Right. Yeah. You know, she was the same at the beginning as she pretty much was at the end. You know, she didn't mm-hmm. have this long, um, uh, She didn't have a character arc, much of one. It was pretty flat. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that may be a sign there because I think readers are going to want more change over time. I think if it's a serial play. fiction, you absolutely.
0: Know. That is so important. And even if you're dealing with a flat character, like a lot of times, if you talk about video games, there's flat characters that uh-huh. go on for a long time. Um, so, but if you're going to do it, you can do it with flat characters, but then you have to do a lot of changing around them. You have to have a, even if you're not developing their character art, there has to be a lot of change going on to keep people invested. And right. whether that's a journey across the seas, um, But I think what I find is that eventually, even people who didn't intend to start out with a big character arc, they get into writing serials, they're going to start changing their characters. The characters are going to develop this character arc because you're simply creating so much material for that character to live through and to feel and to exist that it's going to affect them.
1: It's not going to be, it's not going to feel real if they don't. I I completely agree with you. Completely right with you. So I was wondering something you said at the beginning of the book made me wonder did did manga play a part in your serials, your serial series realization? How's that journey? I almost said serialization.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for <laughs> listeners, serialization is simply the act of um spreading out a story in installments, but you can do a serialization of a novel or a novella or an epic mm. poem. Like it doesn't matter. A serial is what we're talking about here is a distinct literary form to make it sound very highfalutin. And uh, yes, actually manga did have now I'm not a huge manga or anime fan, mm. but I've I'm, I'm adjacent to it simply because of my interest in fantasy stories and I was aware that these very long running series were going on. I mentioned Berserker in the book, One Piece, um, which just got a Netflix show based on it has been going on for 20 years now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I thought of One Piece earlier when you were talking, because you were like, if the character has somewhere to go and the, the author of One Piece, the, the, the graphic, the manga writer he's promised the readers that yes there will be a resolution like you're not just reading this for 20 years for no reason there is there is a plan <laughs> in place he's had to make that promise because it's gone on so long that people love it so yeah, um, yeah but it did help and then of course my as i talk about in the book my interest in chinese and uh other asian dramas uh, television mm-hmm. show dramas mm-hmm. and especially shows like nirvana and fire or the untamed really opened my eyes to different ways of looking at story structure mm-hmm. and how how we can take those lessons and apply them to western style story structures that we're more familiar with
1: okay okay well that that made me wonder I I uh I was just thinking while you were talking about that that when And this is going to seem really weird, but when I was reading books to my kids early on, we got hooked on Hank the Cow Dog. And I, you know, had only seen the first like two or three books and we got the books on tape. Yes, it was old enough for books on tape, right? And lots of road trips. Uh, but um, then I was stunned to find out that there were more than 30 <laughs> And he had just, he had just gone with it. And they did change over, the characters changed over time. Like the little boy, he grew up, mm-hmm. uh, I think a little sister and, you know, this and that, the other happened. But I was just amazed that there were so many, but he had just really just kept going. him out, Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't really have to have an ending. Um, he just kept adding on to the stories and being ridiculous,
0: but (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is, which which is a danger that can happen as well. But, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's one reason why I, I suggest for authors, if they're doing a thinking of doing a serial, that they do consider the long arc. Even if you're a pantser, I'm very much a pantser and Uh I'm very, very, but I come in later and I add the beats. And so if I know that I'm writing to a beat, I don't really have to know how it happens. I just need to know that that's the thing that needs to happen eventually, or needs to happen next. And so, having that very large arc available to me uh-huh. as beats helps me stay focused on the whole story, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes.
1: And I love the idea of tearing it down to beats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because. I, it- that's how the story's made out.
0: So I, whether whether you're a plotter, you're gonna start with beats and then build out an outline. Or you're gonna be a pantser who starts writing and then applies beats to what you're working on. Yes. Or at some point incorporates beats and figures out what the beats are. I think you there's just no escaping beats. I think it's like, it's like, if you're a writer, it's the best way to try to organize and create a, a functioning interesting compelling story and it's also very easy to apply so I love beats too I'm like yes beats there's some I'm, I'm beats.
1: somewhere in between I think you mentioned that I I, I like I said I started out with I just was starting to write and I said can I get to the end of a book <laughs> you know can I stick with it long enough to finish the book and uh-huh. yes and it just kept going you know and so then I had to go back uh but um anymore I try to figure out what the end point is and kind of maybe a couple of points in between but you know that little plot that little outline never survives contact with the real battle
0: right (laughs) it goes on on the page
1: right yep
0: it's it's once once it's engaged all bets are off that's certainly true for me that's very true for me
1: Writing Pursuits is run by Kathrice McKee, who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Kathrice is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics, coaching, and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to writingpursuits.com. The link is in the show notes. And now, back to the podcast.
0: I was saying I'm working on my new serial. It's called Transmigrated Terry, and it's a fantasy a portal fantasy. It's a older middle aged woman who dies and gets thrown into the world of her fav- her favorite fantasy series. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I've started posting it on Ream. I'm writing it's it's what I call Al I'm right, I'm posting it as I write. About but that? that that is really important for me like i know the the carrot the arc the character arc of uh-huh. terry right i know what she's going to go through on this what's going to be a very long series serial um but like you said i i know the beat that i'm going to get to down the road i know what i'm aiming for and i know uh-huh. there's going to be things that come up that because i am a pantser there's going to be things come up i didn't plan for but i still know that i can kind of herd the crowd toward what I want. And that's to me what makes it a serial because I do have all the adventures I have planned for her. There's still that point at the end that she's going to get to.
1: How do you overcome the fear of like really going wrong?
0: (laughs) You know, the the it's the best and the worst advice that anybody could ever give a writer, which is do it anyway. (laughs) Here's the thing. I think if, And so this is geared a little bit more towards pantsers because that's what I am, but I think it does apply to plotters and other planner types of planners as well. I think being flexible is always a good idea. And knowing where you're going is, even if it's way far down the road is a really having that pin on the wall will help you get keep from getting too far down uh, unbeaten path like invisible, right. you like you're off the trail, right? Like you're off the ranch. It's, there's nothing there, but that said, you found the
1: end of the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, you just went, so we have no idea. There's ships there's, but what, what are we doing now? We doing oh, now? <laughs> oh gosh. I've done that so much, but here's the thing that I really want to stress. Mm-hmm. If you're building a, a long running cereal and you're focusing it as a cereal, the the byways are going to be just as interesting to your readers as the main plot points. I love that. See that you can see that in uh of course Lord of the Rings. Like uh-huh. there are some real uh, like Tom Bombadil, like what even, right? Like <laughs> nobody knows what happened there. He just went on this little excursion, Tolkien. All right, we'll go with you. Um, and uh I, in the book, I also use Chronicles of Narnia. Um I think the third or the fourth book—I get them mixed up—but one of them is a flashback to before the main story even happens. Yeah. And people were thrilled to read it because they wanted the history, they wanted the 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 backstory of what happened in Narnia. And don't be too afraid of it if you know you're going to be able to make it back on the main path. Right? I love that because. Readers, if you get readers invested, especially in a long running serial, and they are invested, they are invested, and they will not mind if you're doing the backstory of, you know, the stepmom of the second character and their adventure with the dog. Like they're, they're gonna love it. And so, don't be too afraid of it, I guess, is my point.
1: I guess the thing they did there, well, you know, like Tolkien, he made it an episode. It wasn't something that he would just got way off the tangent. He never came back. It was an episode and then he rejoined the main story and went on with it. Um, I can see people. I do get beginner writers who they don't know who the point of view character is. And 20 chapters in, we're still not sure who the main character is. And it's like I have to coach them. Look, you need to have somebody for the, the reader to root for. Mm -hmm. They have to relate to somebody and start rooting for them and pulling for them to succeed and overcome their obstacles. But um, then at that point, I don't think it's harmful to go off on a little tangent, you know, as long as you bring it back.
0: That is an excellent point. And again, back to the idea of having that point where you know what you're doing, where you're going with the character, who the, who the protagonist is. And if you've got a very big story, With lots of characters, yeah, new writers can just become really interested in this character or that character and kind of drift away. But if you know the protagonist is, or at least the set of, like, you can't have a group of protagonists. That's a thing that can happen. But Mm -hmm. that's more an advanced level thing, I think. But whatever your choice is there, if you've got that idea of what the long arc is, what the long story arc is, and the beats that you're using there, you can... Go down to Tom Bombadil's little poetic hut in the woods and right, but still come back to Frodo's got to take the ring to Mortarite. Right. right. And never losing track of that. I think if you've got that in your mind and you keep that on the horizon, no matter how far you go off track, you're
1: gonna be steering back to it. Okay, I um I wanna make sure that people understand the long arc mm, and right. I kind of, I see that in like the star Wars movies, right?
0: There's, you yeah. know,
1: there's one, two, three, one, two, three, kind of mm-hmm. where you have, well, when I saw the original movie, which was the what fourth movie, <laughs> then it was, then you had the, the, the intro. And then you had the really bad thing, which was the second movie. And then you had the triumphant movie. So, and then it started over again with Anakin, which was really prequel, you know, same thing where the second movie was a really dark, you Mm -hmm. know, things Mm -hmm. go bad. And then, then you got to the resolution at the end. So I just want to make sure people understand what that long arc is.
0: Mm -hmm. So the long arc is the. Not just the goal. So let's take the original um, series like A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Like every – opinions vary, but everybody knows those stories, right? Right. So the long arc of that one is Luke Skywalker becoming triumphant. He is the main Mm -hmm. uh, protagonist. And – it is his personal journey, and we we go through a lot of byways with Princess Leia and Han Solo and, and C-3PO and everybody, but that is the long arc. So, no matter what happens in those three movies, it's going to come back around to... What's Luke doing? What situation is he in? And how is he going to vanquish the Empire and Darth Vader and mm-hmm. his own personal fears? Like, that is the long arc of the original three movies, right? Mm-hmm. So the smaller arcs that what we're talking about is the sh- the the shorter arcs that are the what I call the seasons. Um, you could look at the whole movie as a season, like um, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Dark Knight of the Soul. That's a whole season with its own three point arc um, that goes through without losing without losing track of where Luke is in his long arc story his heroic journey of coming through his heroic journey is not the first movie the heroic journey is all three movies all three together right. right yeah so that's long arc and i think one of the reasons we fall back on te- using television shows as examples because a lot of people can kind of visualize that right. so you know um I try try to think of ones like something like Supernatural, which had a lot of seasons. Um, Wow, did it ever. (laughs) Right, right. And I'm not going to say that all of those seasons had a long arc. I think there were some shorter seasons that had their own arcs that were long arcs through the the show and through the uh, television episodes. But if you think about it that way of like, here's a season, here's an episode, here's the installment of this part of the story. Leading towards a bigger story or just being a part of like a gear shifting off to the side, you know, what's well, how did that affect the long arc? Mm -hmm. Um, then you can get to some really interesting things,
1: but you got there's a lot of there was a lot of episodes in that supernatural where they were searching for their father, so that was you know, kind of something that was woven through, and I think that lasted. For two or three seasons. I
0: think it's the first three. Like, yeah. Boy, I'm going back in my brain Yeah, now, it's, but, too, uh,
1: it's too, too far in the back three. Yeah. in the yeah. fog. But, but I remember that being one really long thread. And then they found, mm-hmm. me, you know, and right. then things, boy, did they ever go crazy. You know, and so there was that whole thing there, too. And then... Another long so, yeah, thread.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly those long threads were the long arc of, you know, the brothers searching for their father. And what they're really searching for is their own sense of place and their own sense of family, right? So right. That's, that's, the, that's the actual character arc of what they're going through. But they have the monster of the week, and they have their little side projects trying to find their father. And somebody saw him in Kansas or whatever, and so they have to go there. And that's where the serial really starts building up and building a lot of world building and a lot of character development and makes it interesting. So like, okay. you're not really like, you want them to find their father, but on the other hand, you're like, you don't really care because what's interesting to you is the journey that they're
1: it's on. Is the journey. Right. Okay. I really, really, um, you're just making a convert out of me here. That's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, just, Let's shift gears just a little bit because sure. I, I really, I, I studied your website, mm-hmm. houseofyork.info, uh, guys. Um, and you have all these ways to find your work. Mm. And I know that you have changed the way that you sell your fiction. Yeah. So I would like you to kind of talk about your journey there. What it, what, <laughs> how did you start and how are you doing it now?
0: Well, the the start was uh, – or the restart was uh, still a very traditional mindset of write novels, publish the novels, sell the novels. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out about um, or explored more uh, platforms like Ream and Substack or even Patreon, which a lot of authors are on, I started looking at, well, how could I use that to advertise my novels and in the back of my mind, always back there was the idea of kind of like you, I'm not really digging the writing of the novel. Like mm-hmm. I, I there was so much more I wanted to do. There was bigger story arcs that I had in mind. And when I was writing Wolves of Harmony Heights, and that's a story I talk about in the book, um, you know, I it's almost 200,000 words and I still felt like I was rushing the ending because I was like, oh <laughs> gosh, I can't have it be longer than 2000 words. That's just too long for a novel. And it that's is the limit. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the upper limit for a novel, unless you're, you know, and uh, Martin or something. Yeah. But, yeah. One of the big, big names, but. It they get more pages. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they get fewer edits. Let's <laughs> think mm-hmm. it. Um, Uh, but and it was kind of the confluence of those things all coming together um at the end of last year that i realized what i really want to do is i really want to write serials i really want to write those those involved long-running things and so when i looked at the platforms at that time and ream was a brand new one
1: you know there's that's r-e-a-m for anything yeah Mm -hmm. that'll be yep that's
0: um, and they're still in development. As far I mean, they've launched. Um, there's still some features that they don't have that some people are waiting on. Uh, but it's kind of like a cross between Patreon and Wattpad, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something where there could be a reading experience for readers that would still draw them into my ecosystem. And right. here was here was the big mindset change for me when I realized I was going to go to writing serials. Was that I didn't want To be a purveyor of products. I wanted to be a purveyor of experiences. Got it. I wanted to create that for people so that with they subscribe to me, they're not subscribing to get a chapter. mean they are but what they're really subscribing to is the experience that I can give them with my world building and my characters and that's a mindset thing it's like you know technically it's kind of the same but for me that changed everything when I thought of it that way I was like yes I can build this world and bring people in who want to be there
1: and that's what really mattered you really have and, and it's a much faster I don't want to say this. It sounds like I'm talking complete business, but it's a much faster acquisition cycle Mm -hmm. because all you have to have is a chapter and the next chapter. And then the next Mm -hmm. chapter, you don't have to have the hundred thousand word book that takes forever to get to market. It takes forever for your readers to get and this Mm -hmm. way they can get the installments and it's, you know, it's a regular. It keeps and solid. it alive. Yeah. It
0: keeps it alive in their mind.
1: And builds
0: community. It's awesome. Okay. It's awesome. Now I do hear writers worry, and this was something I got over because I wrote fan fiction for years, mm-hmm. um, you know, concerned about, well, it's not a finished product. Like you're writing a chapter and you're putting it up and that's true. But what we found, and there are a lot of writers who are, who are, we talk about this a lot on that particular Facebook group. Mm-hmm. A lot of writers are finding that their readers actually like that. They feel like they're getting a behind-the-scenes experience of seeing the rough draft. And we just say, like, at the point where this is going to be available in an omnibus form or a book form or publishing the individual novella or however we're doing it, it will be a little different because it will have gone through a more strict, you know, editing process, a more formal editing process. Right. But these insights, these chapters that we're just throwing out there, like readers are really eating that up. Readers really love that. They love like feeling like they're in on the in on the gig, you know? And so right, right. not as much, not as scary as a lot of people think it is if you just get your work out there and start sharing it.
1: I had an interesting conversation with J.P. Ryanflesh um, uh, mm. just a few weeks ago, and uh, he and A.B. I feel terrible. I'll have to look up his name. I'm terrible with names. Well they they have this uh, they have a Bella series, and they they think of it as seasons. Mm. And when they're done with the season, then they work to getting that out as a book on Amazon or wherever. Maybe mm-hmm. other places too, right? Um, because I noticed that you w- went really wide, you, you know, with your work, and I, kudos. Um, <laughs> that's kind of like on my to do list. Uh, but I, it's I love so that true. idea that it's not finished necessarily. It's not to the um, maybe to the the height of the polish that you would do for a published novella. But then they have the chance to go back around and finish it out and maybe take some of that reader input to tweak a few things,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: before they put out the finished book.
0: Yeah. That's- yeah. A lot of, a lot of serial authors are doing that. And that's certainly what I plan on doing with my dragon's grill series when I get back. Cause that's the one that's based on the 30,000 word novella, even though I'm going to be publishing it serially and each scene is about 1500 words,
1: mm-hmm.
0: each installment. You know the, the novella itself is going to be thirty thousand, and then going to publish that and have that available both on my website for direct sales and then wide, of course. So that's definitely my plan as well. And to me, that's that's the beauty of doing something like this because you're not just hitting one market. You're not just hitting the people who like to read books. You're like hitting people who like to read stories online in installments that are serial or serialized and Also hitting people who want to buy the whole book. Like, you're just expanding your market. I don't see any downside, personally. Yeah, it's
1: like, they they can collect it. They can get the whole collection. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Wow. Some authors are really going to town with that, too. Uh, there's this one author named Chris Hopper. He does, fantasy, he does fantasy, mostly science fiction, though, and he has his own website. He has a tech background, so he built it um, for his membership, and it's just exploding. He's got these little trinkets he sends out to all these members that are like a poker, car, oh, like he's poker gamified it. yes he's gamified it and wow. so if you join up you get the little poker chip and that's specially printed he has them designed and they're special edition ones that people can buy Bye. and uh i know i know it's <laughs> amazing and you know even graphic novels online graphic novels i don't know if you're familiar with lackadaisy have you heard
1: about I, it no what? I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. But so, Lack of
0: AC is an online web graphic novel.
1: Oh, like uh, yeah, graphic novels. Yeah. Uh, well, and the, the uh, what do they call those? I call I,
0: them graphic novels because I'm old. So I'm like, <laughs> web webtoons. Yeah, web comics. I'm web, sorry, web.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Um, it's it's about it's it's a bunch of cats in 1927 St. Louis jazz. It's it's amazing, beautiful. That's R. great. They That's just great. did a Kickstarter for one almost two million dollars. They raised almost two million dollars to do animated versions of their stories. Wow. <laughs> One of the things that they've done is they've given all these extra perks. So when you think about what you can do with a serial, it's not that different than what you can do with a Kickstarter. You can give people special special print editions. You can give people bookmarks or uh, limited edition prints of covers. So when you're thinking of serializing and having a subscription, it opens up a lot of different ways to engage readers more than just please leave me a review at Goodreads. Like you can really get people. And if they love it, like Chris Hopper, his fans are fanatic. They do meetups all over the country. I mean, he's really building his own, you know, empire. Uh, and he just started earlier this year with it. So, I mean, he already wow. has some rabid fans, but you know, he's done a great job with that. He gamified it and he's just having a blast. He has so much fun with it. And to me that, is the experience I want. I want to have fun with my readers. I want people who love my writing, who love my stories, who love my characters, who want more of that, who want
1: the experience. Well, I think that that is a great, a great goal to have. Because Mm. what's the point of not ever having any interaction with your readers? Um, I'm always thrilled to meet a reader of mine. And Mm -hmm. so what, what could be better than Doing that on a more regular basis, right? <laughs> and and also every once in a while,
0: <laughs> giving knowing you're giving the readers what they really want. It's right. it's just you know you're they're feeding your muse and you're feeding their happiness and it's just a great feeling. It's a feeling that I used to get a lot when I wrote fan fiction because those mm-hmm. are very you know tight communities depending on the fandom and it's it's what I want to build for my own readers is that fandom community based on my
1: stories that's the dream so so you're more going direct instead of um mm. uh, absolutely relying on like the normal path of uh, Amazon.
0: I've done Amazon so many ways. <laughs> like it's Amazon's like an bad X, you know. Yes, like <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. X has a whole
1: other meaning now. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Oh man, that's so painful. <laughs> i I've, I've done I've done Ku. I've done Amazon exclusive. I've done Amazon with some wide, and when I realized that I wanted to go also to direct sales on my Mm -hmm. own site which I'm still getting that up and running working on that yeah I'm still working on that as you said earlier like that's a big project yes and I found out that it's a big (laughs) running number (laughs) um and so going wide for me is again about casting that net to all my readers and especially in this day and age I as an IT person, as a person who has a background in information technology, and mm-hmm. as a librarian, that's what my master's degree is in. Which is
1: also information technology.
0: Yes, exactly. It's all information technology and and information not and knowledge management and all of that. And I love it. I love it. To me, that's just a good time. Uh, I know that that does not ring true with everybody, but it does for me. But one okay. of the things I do know is that the readership of ebooks is international and it, it that was really hit home with me when i got into the untamed fandom just based on a web novel called the grandmaster of demonic cultivation i do talk about that in the book mm-hmm. it's one of my big fandoms i love it like literally that web novel has been read by multiple billions of people
1: that's <laughs> like, just outstanding
0: uh, blows my mind when I was looking right. at the numbers of it. And there are other Asian web novels that have those kind of numbers. And then I uh, made me realize, night you know, night. there are people all over the world who want to read fantasy novels and who want to read romance novels. And so going wide for me wasn't just about, oh, I don't want to be on Amazon. It was opening, finding ways to open my writing and my work up to multiple markets all around the world. And that was certainly a goal for me. So Uh, that was a major impulse in going
1: wide. Wow. But yes, you're right. And I think that that means uh, if you just kind of like test the wind, um, they're ahead of us, perhaps, in that. um, Did you say it was Chinese or? Mm,
0: Chinese. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The Chinese web novel industry is, is. Not great for the writers, it's way it's terrible as far as like how it's set up for mm-hmm. paying them and giving them control over their intellectual properties. Um, but if you look at just the numbers and the number of readers and the types of fandoms, I mean, I, I admit I have been humbled by by Chinese and Asian fandoms, whether they're Korean or Taiwanese or Chinese or Japanese, like those fans. Like, you do not understand the level of fandom until, like, the fans take over a local Kentucky Fried Chicken to drape big printouts of their favorite characters all over the walls. Like, I'm just, I, I like, that's not my local Kentucky Fried Chicken, let me tell you.
1: (laughs) It does make you wonder if part of that is the fact that there may not be as much choice for that market. And the number of authors that are producing for it but but i do think that the, the growth curve is just beginning just in, beginning. in the us the uk canada the english speaking world it's just beginning and it's it's gonna take off and be huge yep. i think and you're I, right I just, about the trend
0: yeah i i do and i think it's, especially with the serialization and serials being coming back into the scene with you know you have to I, I, and I hit home with this. I used to work in higher ed. That was my day job before I retired. And for university, and you know these 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 kids today, any kid born after say 1995 has been raised in an environment where they're constantly reading online right and and there's pros and cons like I'm not gonna get into that, but the fact is that they are used to reading online. they're used to reading on their phone and they're coming of age and they're looking for things to read. Like you said, I mean the market is just both for ebooks and for online subscription serialization platforms gonna boom it's just I totally believe that
1: they were also raised in the age of binging, yeah. So- so when I was a kid, I mean, there's three channels to begin with. Well, four if you count a PBS. <laughs> and I, we didn't have cable, so if I was going to watch a program, it came on once a week, and I had to really, you know, live by the TV guide, right? TV so, guide, yes. Uh, like you were going, like you memorized the TV. When is
0: and when is the reruns happening? And, and oh, going to yeah.
1: happen, right? So um, this, my kids, though they have. I mean, even the oldest ones have been raised in a, an environment of being able to watch and more and more so binging a, a program, binging a whole season of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so they're used to that episodic um, atmosphere. They're, they're, they've been raised on cereal.
0: <laughs> yeah they really they really have they really have and like i was talking about with manga you know these mangas go back 20 30 years some of them and th- these a lot of kids have been raised grew up reading these and are still reading these still reading. stories you know and they just expect them to go on and they've had it their whole life why would it leave like why would it end why would it go away
1: and, What is does it uh, print prince valiant is still in the comic strips
0: and hey. let me tell you I love Prince Valiant, man. I read, I would look forward to Prince Valiant every week. I just, that was, that's, that should have been my tip right there. Of, there you know, my natural inclination was. should have been was. a clue. <laughs> should have been a clue. Yes. Prince Valiant. Oh my gosh. Oh Love it. Goodness. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs>
1: so, well, I think that's all the time we have. I right. just cannot thank you enough Kimba uh, Kimbu, for coming on and talking about cereals and kind of opening our eyes to it. And I love your book. Uh that's become an unstoppable star- storyteller. How to craft compelling cereals, guys. Yep. And, and those, it, that, they'll be in the show notes. Good. Um, it's
0: and just so everybody knows, it was available direct only for a little while, but now it's available on all the major platforms. So all the platforms,
1: I anywhere. noticed that. So <laughs> get it anywhere you'd like to get your books. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go to Amazon. So <laughs> be sure to leave be sure to leave a review everywhere you go. <laughs>
0: I would appreciate it. Thank you. But yes, yeah, yeah. thank you for having me on. I, it's a topic I love. It's, a, it's a, obviously it's something fun. And I love opening people's eyes to the possibilities of this new form of telling telling a story. The, so new, old
1: That's the new old form. It's wonderful. New old form. Thank you, Kimbo. I appreciate it.
0: Not a problem. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. Sign up for my newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips, for more news and tips for authors. Also, look for the Writing Pursuits channel on YouTube. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com.